Welcome back to the Breakside Podcast here for episode 22. This is your ultimate destination for in-depth collegiate and professional Frisbee discussions and interviews. I'm your host, David Adamitis. This episode's guest has been the main man behind the AUDL's media efforts for over the past nine years, helping to share world-class digital content and further the sport of ultimate. Introducing Adam Ruffner. Adam, how you doing? Thanks for being here. Thanks, David. It's a real pleasure to be here. I need to get you to write my uh, my like bio for my actual resume, man. That's like a more concise and like punchier version than even I can come up with. So I, I really appreciate the kind words. Oh, of course. Maybe maybe I can earn some money off Frisbee doing something like that. <laughs> this is Very awesome. Fun. And like you know, like I mentioned just a couple of seconds ago, you work for the AUDL, which is really exciting. You guys are doing so many awesome things. Something I usually ask players that come on that are in the off season for the AUDL is like, what do their routines look like? Obviously, you, we're talking from your side of it is you work for the AUDL, which I'm sure there is a down season as well. But what does that look like kind of from the media standpoint? You know, it's funny that you asked that because I've just gone through the past couple of weeks of having like extensive upper level meetings with like our executive uh, level. We had our owners meeting out in Denver at the beginning of October. It's kind of this time in which we take a slight step back from maybe the boots on the ground work that we have to do and get a little bit more heady talking about larger ideas. But the notion that there's like a quote unquote off season, I think is hilarious from my perspective and from many of the people who work within the league. This is sometimes like some of the heaviest work we have to do because I'm somebody who gets really calmed by in season work. Like there's a very week in, week out kind of churn to everything. And I kind of know what content to create off season. It's just you have an idea and you kind of follow it through to the end. There's a lot of, I think, kind of rabbit holes to go down at this point because you're far enough away from the next season where everything feels a little bit hypothetical, not quite real. And so you can get kind of carried away and pursuing some larger things. So getting way off point as I usually do, but uh, <laughs> I, I think that the, this is a time in which a lot of people within the league, we, we take very seriously and we take a lot of determination and I think discipline in thinking about what we're going to churn out for the next year, because I think one of the biggest primary motivators within the AUDL is that we don't really want to be content with how we were the last year and we want to continually grow and become a little bit larger of a presence, more visible, bring in more fans. And so that takes a lot of effort from year to year. This isn't just something that is going to grow itself. If you build it, they're not just going to come. It turns out, you know, we think we have a terrific product in Ultimate Frisbee. I think everyone agrees when it's put on in front of them, it's one of the most entertaining sports. And yet I think by and large, everyone within this community could agree we could get some more butts and seats. And so I think we really take that as a true challenge during the off season. And so right now there's a lot of really hard conversations happening about kind of where we want to go for 2024. You know, um, we're very happy with where we're at, I think, as far as like how we grow digitally again, like we've had some really, I think, strident growths as far as developing our social media channels. But again, like in terms of turning out fans to all 24 teams, like that's something we can continue to improve on. And so I think there's a lot of, work going into that for next year right now. Um, it's not necessarily seen. It's not a super visible time, I think, for the AUDL. You know, Club Nationals is just this past weekend, but we are like working harder than ever. Um, I know I speak for myself and like Daniel Cohen and kind of a lot of other people on the internal network. That's incredible. And there is without a doubt, the content and the product that the AUDL produces is, is world-class. The video content you see on social media is 
top notch. I think the game day experience is pretty solid as well. This past summer, I got to go to the Alley Cats game and a great time. It's, it's a very fun sport to watch. And like you said, the question is, how do you get people out there? How do you get people to enjoy this? And I'm sure in planning ahead, you look back on the prior year, what successes, what failures even happened. So looking back to this past summer, this past season, what are some big takeaways that the AUDL had? What are some lessons learned? Uh, you know, I'm always going to kind of straddle a fence here a little bit. Like I'd love to be as discreet as I could be, but, uh, I just got to be paying attention to that. There is some public facing stuff here and we're not totally able to talk about everything we talk about internally. Definitely. definitely. uh, I think, I think flat, frankly, like the league wasn't super happy with how, um, refereeing went this past year. I think there was a lot of struggles as far as we, we feel like we've taken a step back perhaps as far as how things are being adjudicated on the field. So more focus to referee training going into 2024. I think that that's a huge, obviously importance and foundational aspect to any kind of competitive format, whether it be sports or even like checkers or chess or some sort of other competitive game. I mean, I think having, the proper officials trained up to a point where everyone feels comfortable utilizing them is really important. And I feel like during the regular season that got away from the league a little bit in 2023, I think in the postseason it improved a little bit more. I didn't really see as much at like championship weekend happening, but during the season, you know, as somebody who watches all the games and does a bunch of video editing, it was, it was pretty apparent that there needed to be some work there. So that's been a huge conversation um we've talked about how do we leverage these kind of large numbers social followings we have on each of our channels more you know we we talk a lot about about a kind of a funnel like top of funnel fans versus bottom of funnel fans top of funnel fans being kind of somebody who just like likes a video sees a viral clip sort of enjoys ultimate and abstract but probably hasn't gone to a game whereas bottom of funnel fans being like season ticket holders big big fans um and how do we kind of get you know, these hundreds of thousands of followers we now have on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, et cetera, into people who want to show up to an Alicats game, people who want to go to Bree Stevens on a random Saturday in the middle of the summer in downtown Madison, you know, like, how do we get these people to actually, you know, pardon my French, like, give a fuck about Ultimate? And I think that we're finding that, like, that's, that's kind of difficult sometimes. Like, it, it's really hard, I think, in uh, a media sphere that is ever more crowded you know there's more and more non-traditional sports coming up through with the access to digital media and everything being so expansive now more than ever so how do we get people caring about ultimate more than like spike ball or disc golf or table tennis or or you know there's a major league cricket league coming in now being imported from about there's just a lot of different ways for people to divide their attention and so we think about how to get people caring about ultimate that's been a big project this off season i'm trying to think of what else uh those have kind of been two of the big focal points and then game day experiences uh you bring it up kind of in your last comment uh we've been really focused on trying to improve that trying to really i think communicate um how accessible ultimate can be for a spectator fan you know you talk about other major pro sports almost any sporting event live these days it costs a lot man like it just costs a lot of money to go to a game even sometimes high school sporting events now, it's like 25, 30 bucks a ticket to go to some of these like, you know, 4A high school state uh, varsity football games. And, you know, for the AUDL, I think a lot of teams are really focusing on trying to provide something that like a family of four can go out to and not absolutely break the bank on. And so how do we do that without, you know, having the production of, you know, say an NBA team or even a minor league baseball team, you know, how do we, 
give people an entertaining time while not necessarily having all the resources available to, you know, bring in a live band or do fireworks after every show or something. So I think improving game day experience is another huge, huge thing that every off season we're going through, you know, multifaceted changes as far as like, how do we develop this more? How do we kind of get more juice out of each squeeze? Um, so I think those are the big three that we've been kind of tackling in the off season is how do we convert our digital fans? How do we kind of improve our roughing techniques and gameplay on the field and, and relationships with players? And then how do we develop those game day components so that when people come out, they want to come back? You know, I think that that's one of the things too, is that there's, there's a little bit of a precipice at some of these arrangements. You know, you bring someone out to a not fantastic game or game day environment, they're just not going to come back, man. Like, it's just like people have, again, way too much stuff to do. The world moves too fast. I could get into all these platitudes, but like, it's true. You know, if you don't really kind of meet them at the point of contact and make it a great night for them, they're not going to care. And so we need to figure out how to make people care. Um, I think that those have been three big, big things that we've been focusing on the past several weeks since, you know, New York won its second straight title. There are so many challenges that, presented to a rising sport especially the AUDL that's trying to carve out an area of the market space that's really saturated by big big uh brands NFL NBA so on and like you mentioned all those smaller ones that are up and coming like the cricket which is wild to me but of course it's being out there so how do you carve out your own section which is a question that I'm sure you guys ask over and over again I want to stick on this idea you mentioned those fans that kind of interact with the AUDL a little bit maybe like the social see a couple highlights and stick on that content concept. How do you get them to experience the game day, get them involved in this more? What would you share with a fan that doesn't really have a lot of experience with the AUDL? How do you get them excited about gameplay? Oh, man, I was in a convention center in downtown Denver talking about this so much that my brain was starting to come unglued. So I might not be quite at a level to like express total coherence with this stuff, but I, I think a lot of it, again, comes down to how you know we we get into kind of these abstract fields about like how how someone should feel when they come to an AUDL game and like what should kind of be like a general league presence we want each person to go in knowing they're going to feel each time they see one of our disc games and then also like what can we expect out of a given franchise and so I think there's just a lot of challenges because there is a market difference between like what I see here in Madison Wisconsin where we have this perfect venue right in the middle of downtown that is so accessible and everyone kind of knows that's where game days happen versus you know a place like LA that's just had a lot of geographic frustrations I think with finding the right venue I think typical to a lot of problems with LA ultimate in general there's a geographic issue there that's hard to overcome and so there's, I don't have a good answer to be quite frank with you. I don't, I don't know. I think that that's one of the big challenges I have at this point in my career. I think I've gotten past sort of where I was in the first several years of my career, which was trying to figure out how to get the most sports center highlights, how to grow our digital channels. I'm kind of transitioning away from that a bit and thinking more about how do we get people coming back? How do we get people not just like, oh, well, I'll follow your channel, I'll like a viral highlight, but like, how do you get them participating? How do you get the comment section expanding? Like, how do we get a super fan, somebody like, you know, you even who's interested in starting a blog and talking about this themselves? Like, I, I think more and more about that kind of stuff. And I don't, I am not at a point right now where I have answers whatsoever. <laughs> There's always questions. There's always answers. Yeah. Uh, there's always questions and always the answer. How do you grow? And I think 
we run the risk of being caught up that there's I'm not where we're supposed to be. The league's not as smaller than I want it to be. But in that, I think it's really important that you don't miss out where we came from, right? The AUDL, there was many years where the question was, would it even exist the following year? So the fact that we're at a point now where it's, it seems to be very well established and it is growing at a, at a good rate is, is a wonderful thing. And you're someone that's been around the AUDL almost since the beginning, right? For the past nine years you've been in this. So could you just talk to me about what the growth is like that you've experienced? Uh, first off, I don't appreciate you dating me that hard, but secondly, <laughs> no, I mean, it, you're, you're spot on. It's, it's weird being in it. It's kind of like trying to describe a fish as being wet to a fish. Like I've just experienced all of this within the natural part of like going to work every day. But at the same time, it's been pretty evident how far this has expanded. I mean, now we have a staff of people that we can talk with marketing and and commercialization and and reaching brand deals, sponsorships, these kind of ways to greater resources to build up more personnel and work more and create more. Um, it, it you know, five years ago it was me and Tim DeBile doing a lot of heavy lifting for what existed as like the league entity in a design office. You know, I was working at that point still not 100% on AUDL. I was doing side projects for like dairy campaigns in the Midwest and in Wisconsin and doing some copywriting on the side. So the fact that there is now enough, I think funds and interest to have full-time working members who create content and that sort of thing has been huge. And I just think also the way, I think the biggest change for me has been the way in which people perceive us, I think to your point about us kind of having a little bit more longevity and I think a little bit more gravity, I think that's given us a little bit more credibility to work more with communities. You know, I think several years ago, there was some obvious more fracturing within our community. And I think from my personal sense and getting to know more and more people within this space, there's the sense of wanting to come together more now that there's more effort in uniting and working together in, across like all divisions in order to accomplish something better. Whereas that was really hard for several years. It was really hard to get in on local youth levels and work with kids and get our camps going. You know, that's something now that Matt Smith, the, you know, legendary player for the Atlanta Hustle, he has a full-time job expanding our youth programs and working with local youth directors and, and figuring out how to work with parks and recs leagues and kind of get discs into hands of kids sooner so that we just have presences in more areas, you know, that sort of stuff. I think is where I really see the biggest leap. You know, again, we could, I can show you all the social media growth metrics you'd want. I, I, I tend to take a little bit of a cynical view towards some of that stuff, even though I work in it. I, I think that there, there's obviously a great measure to it, but again, I don't know how much it converts into us having real fans. And so again, it gets back to like, I want to, I want to see more kids camps. I want to see more people at the games. I just want to see like kind of an expansion of the in-person lived experience of like what our games are rather than kind of like, oh man, this this certainly does videograph really well. These highlights are sick as hell. Like that, I, I'm kind of over that. Like you, you I, I've watched too many layouts at this point, man. I've watched like a million layouts. I, I They're the coolest thing in the world, but they're not gonna be what grows the sport. What grows the sport is gonna be the thousand people cheering for the layout in the background. And that's what I keep thinking about over and over and over again. 100%. I, I think you made a really great point about youth league. 
I'm currently living in Cincinnati, and there is such a presence at different oh, levels yeah. here. Like Will Weddingal, we had him on the podcast here. He plays for the Cats. He played in high school. I didn't even know like frisbee, high school frisbee was a thing growing up. And it right. seems like more and more players are now starting in high school and they get to college or elite level. And you're seeing where players play both high school or even or college in AUDL. And sometimes cases it's high school and AUDL. So it's incredible to see the growth in that area. And I think that does turn out fans in a wonderful way. I was just going to try to dig into here. How did you get to working in the AUDL? You mentioned doing side gigs for a while. Like I'm curious of your story of how did you get this role? Where did you come from? Where'd your interest start with Frisbee? Oh man, I fell into this ass backwards kind of. I've always had like a little bit of scant interest in like videography, video editing. Uh, I've been a fanatic of sports for most of my life. I played ultimate in some form or fashion since I was like 15 and I'm 35 now. Uh, Captain to D3 college school at Beloit College with somebody who was always kind of like an internet lurker. Like I love to just read like RSD, no spam, the huddle, like just watch through every single Callahan video that came out like every year during the mid two thousands. You know, I, I was, I was kind of like consuming media at a time when there was almost no real ultimate media, you know, you would just clamor for like a new sky article or something, or, you know, I remember when next gen network came of age, that was like seminal. But I was always just a huge fan of it. I consumed so much. And then one day I got an opportunity to meet Tim DeBile, who was the owner for and coach for the Madison Radicals. And he was looking for somebody to do basically soft profiles, written profiles about some of the, the, the stars in the league and trying to get a little bit more media presence with them. And so I spent some of my first uh, time at the league doing stuff very similar to what you're doing. I would talk with like Goose Helton, who else? I talked to Chris Powers, EJ, Eric Johnson, like all of these earlier stars in the AUDL and kind of profiling what they did in their day jobs and how they got started in the league. How did they discover ultimate? Um, And honestly, I've just kind of run downhill since that point, any opportunity that there's been to learn a new skill or to do something new for the league, I've kind of taken it. Um, I've worn so many different hats at this point. I, I start to get dizzy with it. Like I've officiated a game in the past, you know, I've done PA, I do play by play. I've worked video social, like kind of just goes on and on. And at this point, it's just kind of, I don't know. I, I, I find myself able to identify with enough roles where I know that right now the place where I exist that benefits the most people is like in video, pushing this content, doing this stuff, and that there are people better suited for other roles. And I'm really thankful of that, right? Like I'm thankful to be able to pare myself down and not find myself sprawling into every available thing like it was a couple of years ago. So it's kind of been nice um, to to take a little bit more of a, a more disciplined or, or streamlined uh, position than what I had in the past kind of the jack of all trades over here yeah but like master of none too you know I, I i think there's something to be said about personal limitations and bandwidth and just how much expertise you can have in so many different areas and it's it's nice to start whittling back to a little bit more focus it, it can be kind of almost too much overburdensome to think about how many different things we have to do um i think that again that's kind of where we find ourselves right now in the off season we get these big ideas and we think of all the various things we could accomplish and it's got to be a lot of realism baked in there too <laughs> if there's someone out there that deserves to whittle down and start focusing it's definitely you you definitely put in the work to deserve to really have expertise in a few things 
And before we started this interview, before we start hit record here, you mentioned you do work for the Madison Radicals. And up to now, we've kind of talked about your roles in the AUDL. Could you talk to me about what it's like working for the, the Madison team there and what the dynamic is split between the two different roles? Yeah, so I would say now I work less for Madison more than I ever have in the past. I would say a lot more pre-pandemic when I was like in an office working next to Tim and having a lot more access to like the local clinics and kind of the day-to-day ops of what was going on with the radicals. I was a lot more participatory in that. But now as my league duties grow, I've kind of just become a little bit more narrowed down to play-by-play. I always joke now, I'm like Evan Leppler. I'm like the talent. I just breeze in, I read my lines, and then I go home. I don't got to worry about game day setup or anything. Like one of the first jobs that I had was like, you know, wheeling off of all of the, the crap on the infield and like setting up the signage. Like that's where I started 10 years ago. And I still have a really big pull for just doing like game day setup, go for work like that. But uh, no, my, my role right now with the Radicals is, is pretty much a sheet cake of uh, opportunity. Like it's, it's, it's pretty easy. I enjoy it a lot. But I, I, I love the Madison Radicals because, again, they remind me of kind of what I think of as being possible with this stuff, which is that you can have fans that exist kind of outside of uh, uh, following us on digital and social media. I feel like for as many fans as the Radicals have in the stands, so few of those people give a shit about what happens on our Instagram channel or anything like that. Um, And it's just really heartening to see like families and stuff kind of showing up multiple years and uh, uh, just coming out to Radicals games. And so I'm always going to have kind of a special place in my heart for that because it's, it's, it's the thing that reminds me, I think more than anything, why I do this is just going to Radicals home games, something about Bree Stevens, something about kids throwing around after games and stuff. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, it, it, it's what I think of when I close my eyes and think about the sport is like people being able to enjoy ultimate in a stadium like that. And I continue to think of that and how I want to grow that into more and more areas, right? Talk to me more about this, the Madison team here. What makes that environment so special? Why does it have that Luck, special man. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I, you know, it's alchemy more than it is science. Like there's going to be no equation that I can give you where it's like X number of viral hits or media hits or whatever. I think a huge credit goes to Tim, Tim DeBile. He's just been the most passionate radicals person since day one of him taking over the franchise. Um, he's just put his heart and soul into that organization continuously is the hardest working person I know. If I have a, a mentor, somebody I look up to as far as like I de- where I derive my work ethic from, it's him. Um, and I would say just he gets infectious with that. And from that kind of spirit and passion, more and more people have grown into the organization. And there's just I don't know. I think we have a little bit of a weird, you know, counterintuitive, like underdog mentality here in Madison, where with only 240,000 people who live in the city proper, when there's something good, you know, Madison made championship weekend the first six seasons it was a franchise. I know that was like several years ago at this point, but there's a lot of winning up front. And I think people just kind of rallied around that here in Madison. There's not other professional sports. Again, the venue has just been, uh, uh, frankly, godsend, you know, over the years. It's it's just been perfect for what Ultimate needs. It's it's big, small. You know, we can get a thousand people in there and it looks really, really good. looks really active. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I think all the time about what makes them successful as far as like turnout fans, as opposed to some of these teams that are in larger cities, larger areas. And, and there is no specific answer. I think there's a lot that goes into it. I think a lot of it is just the way in which they treat families and stuff, the throwing around after games, the, the, the visible kind of kid oriented component of everything and just sort of the way it fits into like a laid back summer night. It all just kind of comes across as very like, yeah, like midsummer American sporting night with your family. Like it's just, it's wholesome. My girlfriend's family comes to a bunch of the games and they've got, she's got two nieces and they couldn't give a shit about ultimate. They like going because there's ice cream and there's other kids and it's nice out and it's outdoors, you know, like, and that's enough. And I think sometimes again, we get carried away with what we can accomplish digitally or how cool the highlights turn out. But if we can also make people show up to games, have a really good time and just keep coming out. I think that that's, that's more of a direction I'd like to see things going in. I don't want to put you in a sticky spot here. No, that was great. I don't want to put you in a sticky spot here, but if if you're allowed to say, would you say Madison's your, your favorite team? Yeah, I I think I can get away with it. <laughs> not like looking over my shoulder or anything, like having to take a cyanide pill or something like that. No, I yeah, I I I think that that's known. But again, like one of my jobs has been kind of removing myself from that bias and saying like, okay, how do we how do we make more teams sort of like this on the ground? Um, it's been easier to be less biased about Madison as far as like how I cover it, given that they haven't made the playoffs since 2018. So that helps um, them just not being particularly good right now, but I'll have to keep that on the down low. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome there. And something I think we kind of have to talk about here, something that just happened a few days ago is club nationals. And, you know, I've had a lot of players in this podcast that play both club and AUDL or just AUDL or, or even just club. And kind of the question I'd like to pose is what, what does the environment look like with both of these out there? Um, so kind of from your end, this media media perspective is over the last couple of days, there's been such a burst of media for the club nationals and publicity for it. That's obviously a win for the sport because it's growing the sport. Um, yeah. How do you how do you guys view that at the AUDL, just these two separate entities? You know, I think that that's an interesting question because it's evolved so much over time. I think had you asked me this several years ago, I would have had a lot more of a firebrand answer for you. Right now, I'm just excited to see that there's a good tournament and that it had exciting competitive games. Like we root for success in USA Unit. You know, we're getting to, I think, this turning of a leaf and into a new era. You know, you and I talked a little bit about it before we hit record about how I think there's more of a sense of unification within the sport than there has been over the past several years. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think that there's tremendous opportunity when we come together given the general lack of resources, general lack of personnel, needing to do more with less basically in every corner of the sport. And so when I see something like, you know, the kind of excitement around the second men's uh, semifinal on Saturday night with like the whole Bansfield expulsion drama, whatever, like that's awesome. Like I love, I love when there's moments, right? Like when there's just Bansfield coming back after the halftime and the championship game for the men's or, you know, just the general, I think, drama within the women's division uh, leading up to nationals about how much more parity there was and how there wasn't an expected champion. I mean, I know Boston Brute Squad and Fury still ended up in the final, but it felt like there was a little bit more intrigue to the division. And then, of course, just the complete monkey wrench of the mixed division and not knowing heads from tails 
given who enters as a certain seed and who exits. Hats off to Shame, though. I know that they kind of were the front-to-back winners uh, in 2023. But besides that, there were numerous upsets throughout the division. And I just like that volatility, man. Like, I just want to see it be engaging. Like, the last thing I want for almost any Ultimate event is for it to be just also random. Within two days, we're not even talking about it. Um, I want there to be more impact around the large events we have. And so I'm just excited to see the like increased digital presence, seeing that many more highlights. I know I just spent a whole bunch of this interview saying like, I don't care so much about highlights. And now I'm going to pivot and say that really liked seeing USAU and Ultra World post all those highlights and the, the plethora of different divisions and then different kinds of highlights and how quickly they were getting it out in like a live environment. I, I'm a nerd for that sort of stuff. I pushed for those sorts of things for AUDL channels, you know, getting highlights out as quickly as possible in a live environment is super important for sports. So seeing them do that better is awesome. And yeah, just the general improvement of media production, engagement, competition, like the the play these days is just getting insane. So I, I'm just a fan, you know, I, I think, and I speak for a lot of people within the AUDL, you know, like we come from this. I think there's this perception that there is some kind of divide and there really isn't. I think it's just kind of, more of a personal choice at this point as to whether you prioritize certain aspects of a club environment you're a part of, or if there's more opportunity for you in the AUDL. I don't think there's so much a difference anymore from where I'm sitting. I think something really cool is when I you know, do pose that question is everyone responds with a growth in the sport is a win for whatever side or just in general. Everyone is rooting for people to share the love of Frisbee and just see it get bigger. So I think that's really cool that you share that perspective and, and it's a testament to what this sport is about, what this community is about. Another question on this topic here is there definitely is an overlap and a conflict of schedules that happens between the AUDL and the club season. And I'm curious kind of from you looking at the growth of the AUDL is how do you guys kind of look to that and say, hey, we need the AUDL to grow. And this comes into conflict with a major area of Frisbee. How do you guys kind of look at that growing going forward or the growth? I mean, there are conversations that happen between AUDL, USAU, WUL, PUL around general uh, scheduling events, particularly around kind of each each big uh, season ending event for each. So like us, it's championship weekend for club, it's nationals. For PUL and WUL, they each have their championship weekend events. And then we try to avoid big tournament events. So like the U.S. Open, um, U.S. Club Championships, et cetera. Uh, so there, there is some working progress in that sense. But I think everyone just, I, I think the biggest problem right now, and this is in talking with players, is figuring out more ways to uh, stem or mitigate uh, burnout. Because I think the biggest fallout is on their heads you know the the powers that be and big ultimate and all this other stuff we can all schedule as much as we want but it's up to the players to really determine what is kind of the threshold of i can maintain my per, my athletic excellence in this environment or i'm depreciating here like this isn't as fun i'm not as engaged and i think the biggest struggle is figuring out how to have as many big events as we can because ultimate is a pretty compact season especially compared to a lot of other sports you know our winters are excessively long um and so how can we have as many impactful events get as much media attention during kind of the warm months and get this sort of built up fandom and then also not 
take advantage of what are essentially a lot of players playing without much pay or financial support or et cetera. You know, like even within the AUDL, there's still a long ways to go before players can become self-sufficient on their AUDL salary. So, you know, just kind of thinking, I think more about how the schedule impacts those individuals that are going to be competing throughout all of that and how how do we adjust you know like the the era that we're in now where it's club plus pro is very new we don't have a whole bunch of kind of history here data to rely on as far as like what this does to players over time how they kind of participation rises or falls like what is kind of a, a, a competitive peak throughout a season that now stretches sometimes as far back as April to now, you know, end of October, like that's a really long time. It used to kind of be more of June to October. Like how does, how does all of that affect, you know, I, I just think I, I continually go back to like, what, what are the players feeling at this point and how better maybe can we work with them to determine some of these scheduling conflicts? Definitely. But I'm all that's also like all way above my pay grade. Like I have no <laughs> input as far as like team scheduling and stuff like that. Oh, is, definitely not. It's good to hear though the, the talk of that too, and, and the like player that, first. That's right? hard. And now looking looking forward to the future here from your digital content perspective, what are some of your dreams? What do you want to see this content look like for the AUDL, you know, 10 years from now? That is a great question. And that's actually been something again, I think I've been struggling with right now I'm not a huge far into the person thinker I'm pretty focused on the the next few steps right in front of me and so my big thing is trying to think of the the realistic goals for growth on each of the existing channels but I mean you know totally hypothetical biggest dream possible I mean like a million followers on each channel I don't think is entirely out of stretch at this point I think something like you know a, a primetime sports channel kind of coverage of it isn't totally out of the stretch you know I I, I think it and it's also like developing Alter world and kind of independent media within the sport more. I think having some kind of writers collective or coverage collective and expanding more of the written and you know interview content is is within realm too. So I kind of think of that stuff because I think one of the things we've gotten really good at within Ultimate is talking to ourselves, like you and I are doing right now. We're all very good at having these smaller conversations about what it all means to us. I think one of the things that we can all improve on is talking to you know the the normies the muggles the general population about what's going on and i keep thinking about how can i be better about in, engaging in those conversations and getting back to a digital footprint again like how do we expand the comment section how do we get more normies in there how do we get more people calling travel or whatever else in the replies like how do we get more buzz outside of a discord channel run by alt world behind a paywall the few people who watch a YouTube live stream and the people comment on AUDL and Altworld social media. Like, how do we essentially build more blogging spheres and more talking posts in town hall spaces for everyone to get on board? So that's kind of where my mind goes. Another aspect of the role you have is working with those other media outlets, such as ESPN, you know, trying to get content out on platforms. And you mentioned there, you that primetime spot. On you know broadcasting this, talk to me about your relationships with other you know media outlets. Kind of how's that work from your side? So one of the things that's been a really big help is that one of our major hires in the past year and a half has been a marketing strategist who worked within the NBA, and he's actually 
kind of exists as my boss. His name is Ryan Pierce. Comes from outside of Ultimate, but he provides a wealth of media contacts and just strategies around how to get stories placed in local media. So for example, Jack Williams gets a story written in his local town paper, um, like where he grew up. I forget exactly where it is. I think it's in Connecticut or something somewhere. But anyways, they publish a story for every single Empire game. They do a little blurb right up about Jack Williams. So Ryan helps strategize with teams how to get placements like that, how to get maybe larger media placements. Whenever you see a team with like a morning uh, show doing like a walkthrough or talking about their upcoming game, getting like a news broadcaster to throw around a disc, that's usually Ryan helping set that up. And so I've had experiences like that in the past, but that is definitely not something I am particularly skilled in. I can shoot off an email and have some conversations with producers or content people or ESPN, but Ryan now handles a lot more of those relationships. And it is so much of an assistance and like a, a different level to work with somebody who solely goes after those kinds of contacts. Cause it is a full-time job, you know, it's, it, there isn't just a button you call or, or a button you push or a person you call and you say, Hey, I want you to put this newspaper in it, or this game's going to be fire. You got to cover it. You've got to develop these as relationships over the course of years, you know, with writers, with different coverage, people figuring out who works in a sports uh, coverage division of a given local media company and just, having them available you know like these are things that i think we don't necessarily talk about a bunch within ultimate we kind of expect people to show up to our events and say that this is really cool and give us a pat on the head and give us a nice little story about it and the fact of the matter is it's just simply not how it works you gotta go pester people and track them down and be like hey cover our sport damn it like and luckily that's not really me right now that's that's a really taxing job um but ryan's been doing a fantastic job in developing that and getting teams to do it too it's just kind of you know it, it's again it's a super inglorious job like there is there is a very little roi on just kind of reaching out and getting people to try to cover it but it is definitely something that um the league spends a lot of time thinking about and more and more resources in pursuing yeah, maybe inglorious, but obviously it's so critical to it's the growth so of this It's so critical, sport. man. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I think, again, we're really good at talking to ourselves. Alterworld did fantastic coverage this past weekend. Like, I am blown away at the amount of content that they can churn out. And I even get envious, too. I'd love to develop a staff similar to what Charlie Heisenhood and Steve Sullivan and Keith Rayner and the rest of that crew has put together over the course of, like, a decade or more. Um, but... When you even look at it compared to like a Monday morning blog cycle for like the NFL or anything, it just, it's, it's drops in a bucket, man. Like we have to get more outside media exposure. We have to get some dumb John boy explainer or, you know, I don't want to say barstool because I don't want their attention, but <laughs> you know, like, like there are certain you need good something there. Yeah. yeah the X factor. Yeah. Figures can't be choosers. I do think there is certain entities that you want to align with and Barcelona is not one of them. Like it, it's complicated, man. I think it's really, really complicated. And I think that that it's it's one of those things where again, it's it's really hard to get that kind of outside coverage. But like you were just saying, it's so, so important. And I, I wish that there were more ways to do that. I think for the other amateur divisions and stuff too. Cause again, like there was fantastic stuff from this past weekend and it kind of feels like it all got put inside of a little box of Ultra World, and now it's going to be kind of put on a shelf somewhere and a little bit forgotten about. So, but. 
Yeah, Adam, you obviously have such a wealth of knowledge in this stuff. You've been grinding at it for almost a decade now and in so many various capacities and roles. If you could give a piece of advice to someone that's you know trying to establish themselves, maybe in social media, trying to build their online brand, what would you share with them? Try a couple of ideas and run with it. Um, there's so there's such a low bar right now, I think, within ultimate media creation for what we can accomplish that just try stuff. Like I, I just really appreciate people like you, Maria the Alti, Tayara, Romero, like these independent media creators. I mean, I could I should sit here and list everyone. I mean, there's Hugo Souter, there's Charles Cleary, there's Akshat, there's there's all these videographers and stuff. I think what so many of the people who we now, Kolakovic, you know, I think of what so many people now think of as like kind of these institutional media creators, where a lot of people showing up at fields with a camera and just pointing it at it and trying to edit stuff. Uh, the the person I work with who is a savant at this stuff, Daniel Cohen, like he's just become fascinatingly good at this stuff because he is so unintimidated by trying shit. And I just think back to how many times I've hesitatingly said like, oh, don't write that thing or don't pursue that kind of idea or coverage it's just been not, turned out to be categorically wrong so i would just say maybe don't shoot down almost any ideas like kind of run with stuff see if it works and go with it i mean case in point ringer the ultimate guys i mean they just basically drink on camera and say whatever comes off the top of the dome and that's going pretty well for them so i i'd I'd love to see more women in the media space. You know, I, it's a bunch of us white dudes talking to each other. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to see more diversity and stuff. Uh, I, I, I think just more participation again, I keep going back to that. I think without throughout this interview is that I just like to see more people involved. So if anyone's thinking about doing something like this or creating something in media, I would highly encourage you to do it. I think that's my biggest thing. If you have an inkling to pursue this sort of thing, do it do it. There's so much opportunity to just get your ball rolling and to see where it goes. It's almost don't say no for someone else, right? You know, put yourself out there. Exactly. You know, don't be afraid to dream. I think one of the coolest things to doing a podcast like this is I ask people that are, you know, a couple seconds before strangers, random people that I, you know, find on Instagram and through their sports, the teams they play on. And so far, what's really cool is everyone I've asked has said, yes, people are willing to share, willing to talk. So don't, don't say no for them. And, you know, Adam, this kind of brings us to the close of this interview here. I just want to open it up. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Oh, man, I've been talking for an hour. So this is a space in which my brain just kind of disconnects. No, not not like as a prevailing thing. I'm not much for that kind of overarching encapsulating thought like that is something that I'm still working on as far as like somebody who talks into a microphone semi-professionally. Uh, no, no, I don't got anything smart, quippy or, or endearing. Build. No, no worries. That's a great way to end it there. Yeah. Adam, no, thank you no. so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you shared. It's been, it's been really fascinating to hear just the growth of the sport, where it's going, it's continued to grow. And you know, obviously there's questions that arise with that, but you guys are taking it head on and just pursuing this to the best of your ability. So Adam, thank you so much for taking your time to be with you, be with me here on this episode. Absolute pleasure, David. Thanks for having me on. Make sure you check out the Breakside Instagram at Breakside underscore podcast and our Twitter at Breakside underscore podcast. Make sure you check out the AUDL on Instagram and whatever other platforms that are out there to see all the amazing highlights and other footage that Adam and his team's putting together. And this brings us to the end of episode 23. This is David Adamitis with Adam Ruffner of the AUDL. Thanks for listening and have a great night.